Hello and welcome to The Horus Heretics. This is episode 10 and we're talking about the second part of Fulgrim. I've done I mean, something terrible though, Will. What? I, I, I told people that we do a podcast <laughs> and um, they are going to, they might listen. They said they are, but that might have been out of politeness. <laughs> so that was, that was going to be like, and I've lost a lot of friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well... <laughs> Yeah, we'll see if they ever mention it again. <laughs> yeah, we we listen to his podcast. What are we gonna do? He knows. Uh, uh, um, just don't bring it up. He won't. We are recording this on the day we're releasing it, so it's gonna be a very sort of quick turnaround. Did you finish it today? Last night. Last night I finished it night before last, and ugh, what a mess. It, it is a mess, and I'm not. That's not to say it's not without good stuff. It does, like, just within the writing, much more so really than any of the previous books. I mean, we this is present in the previous books, but I got more of a sense of a rushed quality to the writing. Um, in this, there was many occasions where basically the same word or phrase was used, you know, in the in the same sentence. Yeah. Um, or shortly after thereafter, in a way that you just wouldn't do if you were carefully checking it, and and prob- possibly that's what's going on with the structure as well. There was <coughs> far too many characters in this book. Did you know yeah, what it had a real sense of being like an Avengers movie. Um, they brought in too many characters. They didn't have enough time to do anything with them, so it just felt like, oh hey, here's thor and here's iron man and you know blah 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 and it just kept on bringing in these faces that had appeared before and uh, it just didn't work and anyway i couldn't remember who they were there were all these names they're vespasian and all these other ones and i was that i'd forgotten who you are mate i'm sorry julius and marius have to be the worst characters (laughs) that are supposed to be central characters that we've encountered so far. Do you know what yeah. I mean? That's, that's plumbing some, you know, deep <laughs> depths there. Some deep say. depths? <laughs> some deep depths. That's about the quality of the writing. <laughs> 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 but, <laughs> uh, sorry, Let's get stuck into this fucking piece of shit. In, right? So it started well. I've got to say the set, this, this, well, uh, the way really? you fight it up the second half. I was I've, getting I, ready to give this shit a kick in. <laughs> well, I was like, when the elder were there, I was like, yes. What happened to them? Good. What what happened to them? The, they were all set up to be this big, big part, and then something <laughs> big happened to them, and they fucking disappeared. <laughs> well, basically, they, they haven't even yeah. they haven't appeared in this book in, in these series of books, listeners. You don't need to know much about them. They're the elves. They're the elves I, in this. Book. I like them. I think they're cool, right? But you uh, you got you have a point. They come. They turn up, and for some reason, and on this occasion, rather than immediately trying to destroy them. Uh, they've agreed to have a meeting with them, but it does end in violence very quickly. Don't get me wrong, but uh, they have a meeting, and the sort of elder, the farseer, the kind of leader of them, he says he knows what's going on with Horus, basically, because he can he's he can see the future. Yeah, and but, then but not all the future, not the important bit. So he thinks oh. like, oh, so maybe I can sort of interject myself and get make things happen the way I want them to but <clears throat> and then he so <laughs> that 
obviously some of the space marines are grumbling about oh we shouldn't be you know meeting with aliens um but they soon get into a fight and pretty soon uh fulgrim is basically smashing in the face of <laughs> yeah. a god uh, type no, thing no. a deity no no not a deity uh, a, 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 a venerable figure of the old guard oh yeah no no sorry he kills he kills the like yeah that dreadnought thing but then later on he fights like an avatar yeah that's like i don't know if it's like a god but they sort of worship it like a god summon it forth from the heart of the ship <clears throat> and uh fulgrim basically Bam. smashes his face isn't it? yep yeah, yeah. Uh, all just, to no real purpose. And then, yeah, then the elder are away. I got quite confused in this book with more so later on with timelines and stuff. But that's nothing new. Um, anyway, talking of timelines, as you'll have picked up already, listeners, this podcast is going to be all over the shop in terms of structure. Have we started? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, we've done the elder. You got anything more to add on them? Uh yeah, they're I mean, fine. Um I I can't even remember where we left the first bit, to be honest. Like the there was no plot in the first p- part of the book anyway. It was just loads of um bad writing. But so Eldar <laughs> had a meeting, had a fight, blah blah blah. Eidolon comes back. Our boy. <laughs> Our boy's back. He uh in the whole timeline of the events of the um, the the books, uh, he has come back with Tarvitz from the planet Murder. Sorry to sorry to say that again. There was a planet <laughs> called Murder, um, and they had beaten those insect folks and had destroyed the uh, the cool human species, and now they're back. So that's where we are in this series. Istvan hasn't happened yet and uh they're about to find their place in that whole sort of treacherous story arc um i I find this quite funny when if you recall that whole thing on murder was initiated by some people some space marines going down to rescue some blood angels that had got into trouble oh yeah that oh yeah that was funny this was a good bit (laughs) the bit where they're like oh we can't say we can't say they were rescued. It would be improper. So they're like, yeah, tying themselves in knots, trying to come up with ways of describing the situation. <laughs> Doesn't say. And Eidolon is telling the stories of his uh, heroism, and every everyone else around the table seems to know that he's lying, and like, <laughs> and like he's just bigging himself up, and they're all like nudging each other in the ribs and just going, oh, "Get fucking Eidolon, Jesus." <laughs> and Tarvitz, Tarvitz, who I remember quite liking, he's just a a sort of faceless nobody in this. He's just like, oh, can't can't have a go at my commander. Um, I th- yeah, I, th- I thought you just said commander. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I know. I know some people have um, a problem with that word, and so I would never say it on. <laughs> On a podcast. <laughs> okay. Um. <laughs> Get on with it. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Quickly get on to a pre-victory meal. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was... I was I was hoping for a bit more oomph in this scene. <laughs> Neil, what's not oomph about... <laughs> about the phrase... About this description of the meal? 
Actually, I'll give the whole paragraph just about. The Phoenix Gate was flung open and an army of menials in simple chitons of pale cream entered the Heliopolis bearing amphorae of rich wine and heaped trays of exotic meats, fresh fruits, soft bread, sweetmeats and extravagant pastries. (laughs) At this point, Fulgrim is wearing a purple toga and I think that is wonderful. Like, a, a toga in itself is an opulent thing. It's kind of arch and ironic but great but it's the fact that it's purple just sends it over the edge and it's just like full on bonkers later on where oh no he's gone to see um, the main guy of the Eldar who's named Eldrad Ulthran that was the name of the Eldar guy and he is like fully painted up he's oiled his he's got coloured oils around his eyes I'm going to go on to something now that I've Noted for myself as possibly the most mind-blowingly stupid line so far. Okay, good. Um, so let's see, where is it? <laughs> right. Um, so this is where Serena, uh, who was one of the painters amongst the remembrancers of the uh, yeah, Emperor's it was, children. It was uh, Serena and Ostian were kind of the the friends within the remembrances. Yeah, and Austin, so he's the sculptor guy. Um, and she went down to the planet where they, the layer planet where they saw, where basically they all got chaos stuff into them um, somehow. And uh, it says, so she's, that's kind of messed her up. And it says she sagged into his arms he felt tears pricking his eyes as her body was convulsed by racking sobs. His heart went out to her, though the wiring of his male brain could not understand the strangeness of her affliction. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, how did I miss that? How did I miss that? That sounds like the, the wiring of his male brain. Just like male male brains, they can't empathize. You know, they've Obvious. got they can't they can't empathize with another human being who's sad. That's oh god, that's so shit. But there's there's all kinds of sort of weird um, assumptions made, and and I thought that there was a, a scene where Fulgrim visits Ostian um, to sort of show Ostian his uh, his own carvings his own sculptures and it's a really fun scene because if you remember the last one where, where Fulgrim takes his brother Ferris Manus uh, and shows him his art collection and and Fer- Ferris is the kind of uh, stupid Philistine oaf who who doesn't understand uh, modern art and no that's not the problem but the fact that he, he sort of laughs at it and just goes, oh, what's all this shit? What's all... I can't even understand it, where it is. And Fulgrim makes the wonderful line, they are recreations of reality formed according to the artist's <laughs> metaphysical value judgments. That's a description of art. He says that. Um, and then uh, the uh, Ferris Manus just kind of laughs it off, just goes, well, well, I guess I don't understand art, but I know what those are, and those are shite. And he points at, he points at Fulgrim's... Um, uh, sculptures and in this book he takes those sculptures to see 
Ostian to get sort of positive feedback on them. And so, like, he's he's only shown two people these pieces of art that he spent all his time in. And both of them give it, a, a, like, a full-on kicking. Mm-hmm. And Ostian, to be fair to Fulgrim, Ostian is a complete prick in this scene because he says, they're perfect. In fact, they're too perfect. And uh, Fulgrim goes, is it possible for something to be too perfect? At which point, you're like, Ostian, you're meant to be the teacher here. Somebody has come for feedback and you know tips on how to improve their sculpting a tip is not they're too perfect put a bit more passion into it that's there's nothing you can do with that <laughs> so obviously fulgrim goes fucking mad and just goes no 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 fine fine i've just got uh, I, I it's fine it's fine you're wrong though you're wrong though they are great and just walks out but it's 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 like what you just said. There, nobody has a human reaction. Nobody has a real reaction to anything in this, um, and it's all played off by, oh well, he's got, like humans are robots and they've got male wiring in the brain. Christ, that bad line I just said. There's another very similarly bad one, um, on page twenty-five where it talks about. Uh, let's see. The, the, I've got the the precise phrase, but I want to see the. Uh, actual i i love the academic in you is giving page notes for, for no for no this. no we need we need to we need to understand the context of this so it's not it's a similar so lucius has um lucius the space marine is talking to serena um and she's uh killed someone she starts killing people because of chaos basically and using them in her paintings yeah unless we want to go into that in more detail but it's kind of horrifying but also not worth talking about <laughs> yeah so um serena's there next to someone she's killed and she said i killed him and why asked lucius and then it says even in her fugue state serena detected an interest beyond that which would normally be aroused by such a discovery what remained of the rational part of her mind understood the precariousness of the situation and she covered her face with her hands and began to weep uncontrollably hoping the onset of tears would trigger the male comfort reaction oh my god god this is hmm the male comfort reaction what does this author think about human beings so like just to move things along a little bit um, Fabius, the chief surgeon, who's been like playing around with DNA, and he's the the Frankenstein kind of counterpart. Um, he does his first ever uh, live surgery on Eidolon, and Eidolon says all his captains want similar augmentations as well. So it it turns into a real like horror book. There are some gut-wrenching scenes. Like, we spoke last week or last podcast about representations of sexuality and how spine-crinkling they were. There is a a sort of murder-sex necrophile scene, which is just horrible. Yeah. And um, it's meant to be horrible, and it works in that sense. Um, I'm just trying to think about the whole structure of this book. So basically... They meet the elder. They get that warning. Um, meantime, the ship is like. There's some people that didn't go down to the planet on layer, 
and the remembrancers like a lot of them are just drifting off to serve on other ships Ostian is working on a statue of the emperor others like Serena are sort of descending into um, this chaos wracked state where they're killing people and and the whole ships sort of just taking on more and more an appearance of worship of Slaanesh, basically, um, that they've picked up from the planet. And meanwhile, the so the Elder gives them this warning about the Space Marines getting into a fight. But then Fulgrim gets a message from someone. He gets a, 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 a sort of emissary from the Emperor. Yeah. Um, and he's like, uh, Horus was... Does he say Horus was sick, but in in getting back to him that like uh, a number of innocents were killed, yeah. and that uh, you know just like yo go and go and be fairly straightforward with Horus and say you got to get things back on track. He goes and does that, but really he's well. The tables are turned, and Horus and Erebus say instead of you telling me to straighten up, why don't you? turn to chaos it'd be great fun yeah and then he's like in a very short time yeah and then he's like uh no i think that's wrong and then horace goes no i think it's right and fulgrim goes oh yeah (laughs) and that's it with with that sort of alacrity he just fucking doesn't about face and that's it he gets sent back to ferris manus to try and convince him to join horace in um the betrayal of the emperor uh, uh, all, all kinds of shit goes down, and Fulgrim destroys a good bit of the Iron Hands fleet. Yeah. Um, well, they have. Well, he says, "Yeah, will you turn to chaos?" And he says, "No." Immediately, they have a fight, pretty much, and Fulgrim wins the fight, but he doesn't kill Ferris Manus. Um, then we quickly move towards the kind of climactic scenes of the book, which are back in the Istvan system. And there's some stuff covering Istvan 3, but it quickly, kind of fairly quickly skips over that. And I was happy about that because we've, yeah. it's been described in two, maybe three other books. We don't need that again. I th- yeah. Well, I, I, I thought it was good within the book. I thought like, oh yeah, you mean, it's quite a long book. You don't need to, you don't need to do what's already been done. Yeah. Um, and then the... Uh, Is it the batshit opera scene? No, 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 before that. So Ferris Manus, uh, he... Well, a message has got through to the Emperor, basically, and there's forces coming to, heading to S25 ah, yeah. that are loyal. And um, so they rush off to do that, and in amongst this, there's a, there's a mention that makes you think that some of the characters from the previous books who were honest fan three... Um, might actually have survived which I thought was because um, it gave you the impression they'd all died but it kind of gave an indication that um, some of them might have lived so I don't know if that's I didn't pick up on that I'm afraid it talks about there was a rumour was he'd found some kind of underground hangar it's just dropping this in there as if to say I think Tarvitz or someone in the um, Emperor's Children Legion there's, there's rumours that they'd found some massive hangar underground so you're thinking alright so does this cool. mean some of these guys are going to pop up later on um, well, that's the pleasure of doing these kind of books I suppose is that you can just like completely drop in a, a, a sort of hook that a future author can choose to use or not 
yeah. at any point. Yeah. Um, so, going down to Istvan 5, this is a kind of planet covered in sort of black desert type of thing. Yeah. Um, and they're the traitor forces with Horus. Uh, well, no, initially it's just the Emperor's children. They're setting up a defensive position inside a sort of old ruined fortress with made out of massive um, stones and so then the the concert the concert know. is one of the most weird batshit crazy things I've ever read and I mean that as a praise um, it's the culmination of so many of the remembrancers arts and um, we have the good singer whose name I can't quite remember. Uh, we have the opera, we have uh, Kinska who has written this uh, opera. And the other remembrancers have like crafted scenery and paintings and stuff to line this opera house. And it's full of remembrancers and normal people. And it's got like Fulgrim is there up in the, uh, the royal box. And there are also other legionaries. And it's this sort of chaotic melange of, of like horrible sounds and grating noises. And it, it sort of sends everyone into this like frenzy where they're all, some are like uh, having sex with each other. Some are fighting. Others are like just like drinking it all in. And as it, it develops and develops and like Fulgrim, is, is just like his eyes are wide as he watches this whole debauchery play out. And then the singer, as she sings these final notes, like her bones break and crunch up. And as she screams, it all like combines into the um, the final uh, crescendo, at which point warp aliens sort of manifest and just start killing everything. And it's just fucking it's rabid like it's absolutely yeah, it's, insane it's wild and uh like it, at this point the book was less of a, a sort of sci-fi action book and uh more of a uh, i don't know like a it really reminded me of that horrible scene in that movie you know the the spaceship goes into another universe and comes back alive uh Event Horizon. Event Horizon. It really reminded me of uh, of that that scene where they play back garbled video of of what was going on on the chip as it sort of went into the other dimension. Um, it was really horrifying and very very good. And I don't really want to give the book any more praise than that. <laughs> so yeah, that uh, that or sort of batshit orgy death opera thing was just like the coming to a head of the whole legion being out in the open followers of slanesh and uh and the the god of excess and sex yeah so then yeah these the demons appear at the end of that basically with and start snipping people's bodies apart with their pincer arms yeah and so they're just which is quite interesting and this this comes up later that fulgrim is basically gone or the Emperor's children have gone all in with chaos uh, more t to a greater extent than Horus even. Um, like he's sort of at this point he has been 
he's kind of made a deal with chaos, but he's still he's still really just a kind yeah, of that's ambitious. Good. Yeah, that's a good point. And he's he's sort of negotiating with them for their help, whereas the emperor's children have just gone, you know, headlong followers of Slanesh. Back on Istvan Five, we have uh, Sons of Horus, we have Death Guard, we have World Eaters, and Emperor's Children. Like all the ones we've met already that yeah. have turned to chaos. And then, uh, so we've, but then going to fight them, you've got the Iron Hands with Ferris Manus, uh, you have the Raven Guard with Korax with as their primarch, and then you have the, the Salamanders. Salamanders with Vulcan. There are a lot of these other, um, of these sort of uh, loyal uh, legions, and the uh, the traitors have just purged a, a large number of their own forces and left them on Istvan Three. So maybe maybe it would be an even fight, I guess. I think, yeah. Well, they're waiting for reinforcements at this point. Obviously. Yeah, that that those are the um, the the people that uh, Ferris Manus sort of has dashed ahead of. The word bearers, the Alpha Legion, the Iron Warriors and the Night Lords are not too far behind and yeah. sort of sprinting to catch up. Like this battle, I was like, this is finally the good shit. It's basically. good. It's good. It, it is a good thing. But um, I think this battle should have been the main focus of the book um, and should have taken up much more of the book rather than just the vast majority of the books is just the backstory of the emperor's children yeah in the timeline that we've already gone through which is it would have been i would just would have preferred if it, the whole book had been structured around the Isvan five thing and they could have done the story of the emperor's children through that as well but it's just like it's here and there and everywhere and all over the place and yeah you know. i i feel a bit of a, a prick for saying that I, I agree with you on this point though that uh, i would have preferred that but like we have been asking in the past few books for more on the remembrancers and stuff, and we did get that, and but it was bad. It was <laughs> it was really bad. Lots of shit happens. Uh, lots of death and killing. Uh, the loyalists get the upper hand, um, at which point all the primarchs of the traitor legions uh, retreat, and. Everyone goes, oh, oh, we're uh, look at the, the cowardly Primarchs run, and Ferris Manus again, stupid that he is, is like, no, we gotta, we gotta forge ahead, and the Salamanders and the Raven Guard are like, no, no, we've just had our asses kicked for a good day and a half, um, let's just regroup. We've got some, uh, we've got backup coming. Let's just, you know, uh, lick our wounds for a little bit. Ferris Manus not having any of that. He uh, jumps straight into the middle of it, um, at which point the word bearers, the Alpha Legion and the Iron Warriors and the Night Lords um, arrive and shock horror, they're traitors as well. And they just start pounding the remainders of the Loyalist forces and pretty much destroy all of them. There are uh, bits and pieces of each of the legions left, but their main forces are completely gone yeah it, it does again sort of setting up things for future books it does kind of suggest that Korax and Vulcan got away as did some of their legion yeah their legions which must be the case because there's books about both of them 
uh, in the series and while they're getting destroyed uh, Ferris Manus has kind of gone into single combat with Fulgrim and loses and Fulgrim cuts his head off Beautifully delivered. <laughs> Do you want to elaborate on that? Uh, no, uh, it, pretty much uh, as the book describes it. Um, it, it happens very quickly. Um, there is some sort of Highlander quickening kind of moment happens where lots of wind and stuff happens. But Fulgrim, at the point of chopping his brother's head off, um, comes to the realization that oh, I've just done a really stupid thing I regret everything that I've done I regret everything that I've become and the voice in his head um, sort of manifests as for the first time as like a full on demon and says uh, I can give you peace I can give you you know no fear um, no worry for the future no remembrance of the past no guilt just give yourself over to me and yeah. at which point Fulgrim shocked and uh, appalled at his own treachery his own murder of his favourite brother says okay it's a good plan let's do it and at which point th- this this demon completely takes over the body of Fulgrim. Fulgrim is now I didn't know this uh, this was uh, news to me so Fulgrim is a full on demon he's yeah, a, I didn't... in his body shell but he's a full-on demon. But yeah. it, they, they did leave uh, a little sort of latch for the future by saying that Fulgrim would actually be aware. He would, he was like pushed into a little corner of his own mind. Yeah. Uh, everybody's seen a sci-fi movie where this has happened before. <laughs> uh, it's not original. But um, it is it is cool that he can see through his own eyes and he can see his own actions but doesn't have the strength to to do anything about it yeah and then this is where he has this meeting with horus at the end and and the demon reveals himself to horus um, and horus says like um well your soldiers probably won't go for that right now and most other legions won't either so just keep it a secret yeah. that's it so it feels like it feels like, uh, in the sense that it feels like an Avengers movie, where it all happened. Like all these people, there were all these plot points merging and diverging and then coming back together, and that this was an end of it, um, for a lot of those plot arcs, and that maybe in the future we'll have slightly fewer and less confusing things to merge and to keep track of, um. Hopefully, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm an optimist, <laughs> and I would like that to be the case. I, One I point I wanted to bring up, though, okay, was it's very weird for a piece of art to hate art, right? It is, <laughs> and this really fucking hates art, and it all comes back to that question that you've raised a few times, which is. The people that fall to chaos, um, do they just choose to, you know, fall to chaos, or is it a, a part of their pre-existing character which is an entry point into chaos? And to me, 
that question is completely answered now. Um, the people that didn't fall, Tarvitz, Loken, Ferris Manus, Nathaniel, they are all boring. <laughs> they are. They're, they're boring. They're stolid. They're, you know, good, good line officers. They don't have any ambition. They don't, like, they don't have anything. They're just solid averageness. Horus, who did fall, he is massively ambitious. And, like, fair enough. I, I've got no problems with that. Um, the reason why Fulgrim fell is that he likes art. Like, that is it. That is <laughs> well, it. He does He does go on about wanting to be perfect all the time. So um, Vanity? Ambition as well, I guess. Um, but if you think that um, having the vanity to want to be perfect is somehow an analogue for liking art. <laughs> it's fucking mental. I know. Like, uh, but we talked about this last time that they never really... It's, it's stupid that they like... Perfection is a stupid sort of theme to give these... Yeah. This legion, because what they really mean somehow was like artfulness, you know what I mean? Or elegance or... Yeah. You know, in, in like their combat style and stuff and appreciation of art. And But they, the, the, I was just like, can everyone just shut up about being perfect in this book because it's always like oh but he was imperfectly imperfect at being perfect and all this stuff but how can you be perfect if you're imperfect yeah what the true perfection is to be you know what i mean i was just like shut the fuck up yeah exactly um, well it was just like the author didn't have a solid view of what he was talking about either how yeah. are we meant to like follow along on any train of thought yeah um i mean and i take your general point like there's definitely a, a formulaic uh quality to certain types of characters but it's not books. that it's not just that it's formulaic and it's it's kind of why one of ferris's ferris manis's greatest qualities is that he doesn't understand modern art <laughs> <laughs> like, like yeah and and not that he just didn't understand it but he gloried in the fact that he didn't understand it and anybody who did understand it is also a possibly a demon monster yeah, uh, you know, I'm just like I don't know what I'm meant to think. I mean, I I take your general point, but like no, 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 take my my real point. Take no, my... I don't take your whole point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to dispute your whole point because um, like Woken, he he like yeah, he was boring definitely, um, but he he a lot of his story was supporting these remembrancers and stuff like that. So he was sort of shown to appreciate art um in a in a different way than the you know emperor's children i guess but um i don't know i don't know i'm not going anywhere with that i'm just sort of saying yeah i suppose uh, if we wanted to like grind it all down maybe what the the main ways in for all of chaos is excess excess yeah. of anything and and then we get into the the there was a a scene about the poetry of William Blake in Cornelius this book. Cornelius Blake, you mean? Cornelius Blake, yeah. And it was with a Y. <laughs> it was it was a struggle to read through it. Oh, I, I, I well, I didn't read through it. I skipped through most of it because it was a ham-fisted depiction of of, of um, sort of poetry scholarship. That was unreadable. That's a shocking confession, Neil. That you skipped some bad writing. Because um, I read it and I was like, 
it reads like a sort of bad university essay inserted in the middle of a novel like (laughs) and like the stuff that blake is an inspiration yeah it's, it's interesting right but like why not actually weave that inspiration into your storytelling into your writing rather than do the sort of the old philosopher and terror thing that they always do it's like it's like there's and some, they often talk about like myths from the class classical world and stuff it's like it's like there's been no culture for literally like <laughs> thirty-two thousand years something yeah that's a good point i, I I'm, I'm worried well because i fucking hated this and i'm at the point where like, i don't i can't do another one of these yeah well now we will do it but um I, I liked what was the last book that we did we liked that one fight of the eisenstein oh i like yeah yeah well there's bits of yeah bits of all of them that i've liked and there's bits of this that i like but i was just like this seemed really long i hated bits of it and i don't want another book like this to read the main problem was it was just was it wasn't it was hard to read it was jarring just the way it was structured yeah and these characters you couldn't latch on to no real central plot it was just this bit this bit this bit and the sort of like i've read russian novels i've read anna karenina and they're like there were a million characters in that and there are far fewer in this and i don't know anything about any of them like uh we missed out one of the main characters being killed because i can't remember who he is (laughs) (laughs) probably so much uh, we missed out any final thoughts on this book uh no what's the next one <laughs> the next one i think is descent of angels oh cool is that about blood angels no it's about the dark angels oh um, cool i don't know anything about them except yeah. they're primark and you'll find out saying, oh, is that lionel johnson yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so we will be back in two weeks time with the first part of i've forgotten it already well i'm really sorry descent of angels Descent of Angels by... Don't know. Don't know. Doesn't matter. Let's say Lionel Johnson. It's an <laughs> autobiographical epistolary novel. Um, okay, right. Uh, we're done with this episode, so we'll uh, be back in two weeks with Descent of Angels Part 1. See you. Bye. Bye.